Another bearded carcast coming to you live from my kitchen. Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman here on the bearded carcast. Winthrop idle because they're not in the tournament. They didn't make the NIT and they're not playing in any uh, of the other postseason tournaments. So this is our opportunity to talk about the NCAA tournament, one of our favorite times of the year. Dave, I know this is like Christmas in March for you. Yeah, but apparently I got the wrong memo. I spent all my time studying the NIT bracket. <laughs> I, I thought we were breaking down St. Mary's in southeastern Louisiana and, and Stanford and BYU. We're going to have to throw out all the work I take. In, in all seriousness— Well, who do you got in B.C., Western Kentucky? Yeah, uh, the Hilltoppers at home. But here's the, here's the other thing. The next game is the winner of Southern California in Asheville. Yeah, nice trip for UNCA out to L.A. as it's raining and kind of ugly in the Carolinas this morning. The crazy thing about the NCAA tournament, and it's always like I love the upsets and I love the bands and the cheerleaders and the teams that you can actually call weak because you have a personal allegiance with them. The crazy part isn't any of the games. It's how much time I spend on this. As in, it's like a full time job this weekend. It's more than a full time job. But it's all throughout the season. Like, you prepare for this, like, back in November. I apologize to everyone around me all week long for having no idea what's going on in the world, paying no attention to any work maybe I should be doing at that time. It's like the bracket came out at six o'clock last night, and I spent like eight hours of like evaluating every team's top five players, giving them like ratings and looking at the advanced analytics and thinking about coaches. And like, like it's like studying for an exam. It's stupid. Like it's really, it is the (laughs) stupidest thing I do all year long. Like if someone were to call me and say, Hey, we've got a really cool project, but it's kind of a tight time frame. It's, it, it needs to be done on Friday. I'd just be like, well, you know, I probably have a few hours before the games start Friday, <laughs> maybe a couple hours after the games are over yeah. on Thursday. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're, they're, they're pretty booked up right now. And, and it's all just like filling out brackets and getting a feel for teams and kind of running numbers. And, and to what end, I, I'm not really sure. I do think of all of the games I play of more as investments yes. than, than lottery tickets. Like I try to win these games and I'm usually reasonably successful, but there's no way if you take the time spent and the money won that it's anywhere close to worthwhile. Like I should pay no attention, wake up Thursday morning, open up a bracket for the first time, just start enjoying the tournament and kind of get a feel for the teams as we go. But instead I'm real stressed out about like how injuries are going to affect the tournament. I, I mean, it takes about 25 minutes to drive from my house to your house. And I called a buddy and we talked about Michael Porter for 20 minutes. <laughs> and like, like, how good could he be? If Michael Porter is as good as everyone thinks he could be, is it possible that Missouri is, instead of, you know, I don't know, a 10-point underdog in round two against Xavier, maybe they're a Peckham or a one point underdog. Like, so if you're then playing games where you draft players or you select players based on point scored, he's an eight seed. Maybe, maybe he's the most valuable player in the entire tournament, or maybe he was horrible in the sec tournament and he's completely and utterly worthless. Like, like, I, I don't know. Like, but this is what is like 
on my mind. Like I go to bed <laughs> thinking about like if Benny Boatwright was healthy, oh, yeah. would USC, USC have been in the absolutely. tournament? Absolutely. Like, like that's Bonzi, what I'm. Bonzi Colson, if he were healthy earlier, right? Although, they, although Notre Dame still had that bad loss against Ball State with him healthy, so, and Indiana, and Indiana. So that's interesting. You are listening to the Bearded Carcast. The concept is pretty simple. Usually, Dave and I go on the road uh, for Winthrop games, and we've decided that we find it interesting that our conversation would be something that you would want to listen to. So we record that, and then we we put it together, and we we put it up on the internet as soon as we get to wherever we're going. Now, since we're not on the road, we are in my kitchen, and we are breaking down the brackets. Now, Dave, I don't know if Marchivus is what we should uh, discuss uh, next here, and I would say that uh, the airing of grievances as it relates to the tournament. And there are, there are some schools that, and we just mentioned Notre Dame, they're, they're, they're a team that has a bone to pick. USC is another one. Who is the most aggrieved school that is in the NIT right now and not in the NCAA tournament? I mean, the way the committee goes about actually selecting the teams, I don't know, maybe Oklahoma State. The problem is the way they go about picking the teams. The system is inherently biased against low major programs. For a team like Alabama, they get into the conference tournament with an opportunity to stamp their mark on why they should be in the tournament. Alabama wasn't good during the regular season. They lost five straight games coming into the SEC tournament. They knew they had work to do, but they were able to accomplish it. For Middle Tennessee State or St. Mary's, they go into the conference tournament knowing if they error even a little bit, they're screwed. Enjoy the NIT. So... (laughs) Like, the conference tournaments are a giveth to big conference schools and a taketh from small conference schools. That's the way the system works. So you can argue what's wrong with the system, and then it's, to me, Middle Tennessee State or St. Mary's. I love the NCAA tournament because I love Cinderella. And I love cheering for the little guy. St. Mary's and Randy Bennett have one of the top programs in the country. They play in a gym that is a Big South gym. It's a small little place. They don't have resources. They cannot buy games. So their entire season, the reason St. Mary's is not in the NCAA tournament is they played in a non-exempt tournament in Anaheim in November. They played two neutral site games against Washington State and against Georgia, and they lost. And the season was over. I mean... Washington State and Georgia are teams from power conferences. They're bad teams from power conferences. But when they signed up, they were assuming those teams were going to be pretty good, okay, not bad. If you win one of them, it looks really good. If you lose to them, not the end of the world. Well, it just turns out that those teams were terrible this year. They had a bad weekend. They had a bad weekend four months ago, and now they're not in the NCAA tournament because they didn't beat a BYU team that was solid, not spectacular on a neutral court in the tournament. Meanwhile, a team like Alabama, they are bad for much of the season, or a team like Oklahoma, they are bad for much of the season, but they do just enough in the conference tournament that people kind of remember them and they think glowingly about them and they punch that extra quadrant to win or whatever it is that St. Mary's has no opportunity to win. I mean, the, the obvious thing is to do what Wichita state did go to a better conference, Absolutely. but yeah. that's easier said than done. Or if you need to improve on shooting, just recruit better shooters. I, I talked to my dad for 20 minutes last night about what's wrong with St. Mary's and he determined it was scheduling. Yeah. And I said, yes. So the problem with St. Mary's is their budget. 
because they don't have $300,000 to go throw around to four opponents that they can come in and beat. Right. Yeah, no. Here's the other thing that I thought about, because Syracuse comes to mind in this, and I think Alabama is in the same situation. And and I don't know, it, it's somewhat arbitrary what I'm about to suggest, but I kind of feel like this would help some of the mid-majors like a St. Mary's. But what about a team that's from a Power 5 has to have a winning or 500 record to be in the tournament. I mean, you can make any arbitrary rule that you want to, but if 13 and 5 Nebraska was in the tournament this year over 8 and 10 Texas, the wrong team would be in the tournament because right. Texas is better than Nebraska. So what you're doing by forcing a rule like that is you're taking power conference teams from down conferences like the Big Ten or the Pac-12, neither conference was very good this year, you're forcing out those 8 and 10 teams that, you know, they're on the bubble, like legitimate bubble right. teams like Texas or Alabama. And now you're saying— But you need to win those games. Like a Syracuse lost to a team like BC that's not in the tournament. They also lost to Georgia Tech, and they also lost to Wake Forest yeah. much more egregiously. right. right. So that, but that kind of proves my point, I think, in that if you have bad losses, quote unquote, bad losses within the conference, you're still rewarded. It, it kind of takes less, less emphasis away from the regular season. Right. But what if you play in a conference like the ACC or the Big 12 that has a lot of really good teams? And instead of going nine and nine, you go eight and 10 because Mo Bamba misses a couple games. Now you're on the outside looking in because of an arbitrary rule. Like, I think Texas is a team that, like, given the right situation here, they, they can win a couple of games. I mean, is it likely? No. Is it possible? Yes. So now you're eliminating a team just because of some caveat. Like, making rules is tough. I really thought about the stuff Jay Billis said about selecting teams before the conference tournaments. And I like that idea because the big teams— can gain while the small teams cannot gain. Yes, San Diego State gained. They actually earned right. the berth into the tournament from right. a smaller conference. The exception conference. would be you would still have the automatic bid. Right. But then I talked to a colleague of mine who goes, yeah, you know the problem with that? And I go, no, what's that? And he goes, well, then Notre Dame would have been playing in the ACC championship game because Duke and North Carolina have nothing to play for, so they're essentially taking a bye in the ACC yeah. tournament. So there's just no perfect system. Right, right. So the it is then inherent on the committee to make a decision. I'm not sure the rule that was taken out 10 or 15 years ago about what a team does down the stretch shouldn't be re-implemented because the reason Arizona State is in the tournament is what they did in November and yeah. December. And Oklahoma, too, because Oklahoma had a horrible February. Exactly. But they took that criteria out. That's not part right. of the deal. Yeah. Well, maybe your early games should mean as much as your late games. I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's a hard balancing act. It's a difficult job. Do they consistently make mistakes? Yes. In the end, are we talking about the 69th best team and the 70th best team and the 67th best team possibly being aggrieved? You know what? In college football, we're talking about the fifth best team. Yeah. I'm not overly concerned with number 69. I don't think they're going to win the national title. The bigger gripe, I think, is probably within the individual seeding. Whereas my, my dad went to Penn, 
My dad goes, Penn's not a 16 seed, but because they played so late on a right. Sunday, he goes, they just created one spot for the Ivy League champion and, and that's where didn't, they were gonna go. didn't pencil right. that team in. I mean, I look at where Villanova is in the bracket and I say, are you kidding? This is a number one seed that has to face either West Virginia or Wichita State potentially in a Sweet 16 and a Virginia Tech team that I kind of like in the round of 32, whereas Purdue, who's in the exact same bracket, has what I think is a relative cakewalk into the Elite Eight. The two seeds should not have an easier path than the one seed. That doesn't make a great deal of sense. I think it's the same thing in the South, where I think Cincinnati's path is easier than Virginia's. All right, we are going to go knee-deep into the brackets here. We're going heavy because Dave has done nothing in the last 48 hours and break down these the uh, possibilities and the matchups, uh, getting ready for, for what is going to be an exciting week here in college basketball. So we'll have more on that in the Bearded Carcast. And as always, we encourage your participation. You can send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Follow us on Twitter at beardedcarcast. Back on the Bearded Carcast, our favorite time of the year, maybe a little bit more for Dave because he really does the nitty-gritty. He's he's up all night. I think you've had, what, maybe one hour of sleep, uh, maybe two hours of sleep getting what ready for March Madness. What time does your son wake up on Christmas morning? <laughs> this, this is it. This, this is the greatest. There's nothing better than March Madness because for just an inkling, for just a minute, Marshall – who hasn't been to the NCAA tournament in 30 years, can dream. Everyone is alive. This happens in no other sport. Every other sport is pretentious. The little guy can't win. In this sport, in college basketball, not only can a team win, Butler can go to the championship game. VCU and Wichita State can go to the Final Four. George Mason can go to the Final Four. Mike, there is no monster in this field. There's no absolutely ridiculous prediction. Duke losing in the first round or Kansas State going to the Final Four or just something wacky. It's possible. That doesn't happen in other sports. The Patriots are in the Super Bowl every year. Every team is spending $100 million. And in college football, the little guy, we've talked about this over and over again, Central Florida, hey, go play in a consolation bowl. App State, go play in a bowl that we literally five years ago never had. This great NCAA tournament you're alive. You've got a chance. That That's the best. Cinderella lives in the NCAA. Cinderella is dead everywhere else. I know because you and I talked about this last night, but I think it'd be fun for the fans of the show. And just be brief on this because we, we got a bunch of games we want to get started to. But um, your initial thoughts and maybe your only thoughts on the play-in games. Um, I mean, the, the numbers, the analytics, the, the Jerry Palm numbers, the... The Pomeroy numbers, the Sagarin numbers say that Radford's a lot better than LIU Brooklyn and Texas Southern significantly better than North Carolina Central. The games that have teams that people have actually heard about, I like St. Bonaventure. Yeah. I, I thought they were a very deserving tournament team. Yep. They, they passed the eye test. I watched them play against Rhode Island at home. They're, if you like Rhode Island, yeah. you should like St. Bonaventure. Do you think they got bumped down because of Davidson, or did that have any bearing— yeah, maybe. Davidson winning the conference tournament. 
mean, well, they were going to be in anyway, but did that affect their seeding at all? Um, no, because Syracuse was the last team in, so no, I don't, I don't think it did. Um, yeah, St. Bonaventure, I like them a little bit over UCLA. I, I think the Pac-12 was lousy this year, and probably for the same reason I like Syracuse over Arizona State. Um, I, I think I think Syracuse played in the much stronger league, and Arizona State played their best ball at the beginning of the year. So I probably like the two teams from uh, upstate, western, and central New York. All right, let's start in the Midwest. Um, and and I, I say that because the Midwest kind of gets things going with the Thursday bracket. The um, the first game of the tournament. Well, okay, the first game of the tournament's Tuesday, but we're really talking about Thursday, Friday stuff, right? So um, Rhode Island and Oklahoma, the seven ten game with the Rams and the Sooners. That's going to tip things off at twelve fifteen on CBS. Rhode Island, great coach. Uh, Danny Hurley's done a fantastic job there. They went twenty five and seven uh, in the A ten. They didn't win the regular season, obviously losing to Davidson in the conference final, but. Uh, I think this is a good game to get things started because a lot of eyeballs are going to be on Oklahoma with Trey Young. Yeah, I think they'll be there very briefly. I, I thought Oklahoma was bad down the stretch. I think they're greatly to a degree a one-man team. I think the analytics tell you these teams are very, very close. Do you know how hard that is to do out of a low major to yeah. have your numbers look as good as a, a high major team? And E.C. Matthews is a terrific player that's completely underappreciated. It was really impressive that Davidson beat URI yesterday. The top of that league is actually pretty good. And Davidson didn't hit a field goal in the last, what, like four or five minutes of that game. Right. I uh, Yeah, I, I, I like Rhode Island. Um I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think it'll be. It, it may be a close game, but I have very little doubt who will win the game. Now, maybe I'll be wrong, but Terrell and Matthews are really good. Uh, URI's the type of team they they just don't kick themselves in the butt. They don't turn the ball over. They force a lot of turnovers. You know, they're not great defensively, but you don't have to defend Oklahoma. You have to defend Trey Young. Yeah. I, I think. I think they'll have a plan for Trey Young. Everyone else has in the last month and a half. Why, why wouldn't they? <laughs> why wouldn't they? And again, that's twelve fifteen start. That's Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, Dan Bonner, Dana Jacobson. So big time crew to get things started there. And then the winner of that game uh, will will face the winner of the Duke and Iona game. That's the two and fifteen. That's another matchup. We have two very good coaches, Mike Shashevsky, Tim Kluis, and you have. A Blue Devils team that is very talented. We had Paul Biancardi on last week, and although Paul thought Duke was maybe one of the most talented teams in the country, he feels like experience in the tournament might do them harm, but probably not in this first game. Although Duke in the past has had trouble, different teams obviously, different players, but uh, with Lehigh and Bucknell, they've had trouble in that 215 game. I have a great deal of respect for Iona's program. They're the team that, regardless of what they're seated in the conference tournament, they just tend to win. Like, I love teams and coaches that win when it counts. These teams can both really score the ball. The problem's on the glass. Duke's one of the best rebounding teams in the country, and Iona's terrible. So if you never have second-chance points and you're always giving up second-chance points, I just don't know how Iona's going to have enough possessions to score enough points to win the game. I just think Duke gets too many opportunities. And they're going to have to rely maybe too much on the three-ball uh, early on against Duke, and Duke has some some length. That might be that might be difficult matchups for the shooters. Well, remember though, Duke plays zone now. That's Duke true. plays yeah. almost exclusively zone, which generally is good for a three point two shooting team. I just think that Iona's going to have to hit fifteen threes to win the game, right. and they're going to have to hit a very high percentage because they're just 
they're going to lose out. I mean, it's one of those games that Duke's going to shoot the ball 65 times, and Iona's going to shoot it 45 times. This is kind of a tricky bracket, though, because you also have the three-seed Michigan State. They're going to play on Friday um, in Detroit, but they're going to take on Bucknell. They were winners of the Patriot League. So if Kansas advances, there's the possibility that they might have to tangle with either Michigan State or Duke. So that's kind of a tricky bracket. This is the most straightforward bracket. The three best teams, the top three seeds, Kansas, Michigan State, and Duke, are the three best teams. That's not to say that Clemson can't win or Auburn can't win or Bucknell can't pull an upset, but the three seeded teams, Kansas, Duke, and Michigan State, if those three if two of those three teams aren't in the Elite Eight, I'd be very surprised. They're, they're, they're the best teams. So in the end, in this bracket, you're talking about those three squads. And all of the analytics tell you those are three of the ten best teams in the country. Everyone knows those three Hall of Fame coaches. So if you're playing the odds, you should pick Kansas because they play one fewer really hard game. When everyone talks about Duke and Michigan State, few people are going to talk about Kansas and, let's say, Clemson or Auburn. I, I personally like Clemson a little bit better, but they're playing without Dante Grantham, who was arguably their best player. Right. So I love Brad Brunell. I love the way they play defense. They'll play a low-scoring game. They'll play Kansas tight. In the end, Kansas has better players. So Kansas should be in the Elite Eight, while Michigan State and Duke will fight for the right to get to the Elite Eight. So if you're playing percentages, I like Kansas. However, I think Michigan State and Duke are better than Kansas. So I like the winner of that game. And as we talked about with being Cardi last week, Duke's got the most talent. They, they have the best players. They've got the senior in Allen. They've got Bagley, who's unbelievable. Gary Trent's been terrific. Carter's outstanding. Trayvon Duvall, I, th- I think being Cardi thought he was kind of like the key right. to, the, to the whole thing. They're not unbelievably deep. They don't shoot free throws great. But, man, they shoot the ball. They defend. They rebound. They pass. Michigan State is really good at a wide variety of things. But... They played in a bad Big Ten this year, and their guards are good, not great. I I, I think Duke's the best team. I don't think they have the easiest road. I I think their road is actually kind of difficult, but I I think they're the best team in that bracket. And Michigan State is awfully young. Their top five scorers, all double-figure scorers, are all all but one are uh, sophomores, and the other one's a freshman. Yeah, they, I mean, they're they're, they're, good. Really, they're good at like everything. They're good. They pass the ball. They rebound the ball. They defend. They shoot. Like like they they have very few turnovers. They're a little sloppy. They foul a little bit much. They're they're a little turnover prone. But I mean, Miles Bridges is not a bad guy to have the ball at the end of the game. You and I saw fourth uh, the four seed Auburn. Um, they blew the doors off Winthrop in uh, I guess that was the first week of December. They're going to take on number 13, Charleston, the Cougars, uh, which we kind of have a connection with. Earl Grant, he was a former Winthrop assistant for Greg Marshall, and then he went to Clemson and then got the College of Charleston job. They won the CAA this year. And then when we talked last night, you felt like this game maybe has that possibility of being an upset. I just don't like Auburn. Uh, I mean, they lost the two guys at the beginning of the year to the FBI deal, and then Anthony Malcolmore got hurt. They're not deep. They're very, very undersized, and I don't particularly like the SEC. So uh, I'm not big on Auburn. I was hoping they'd win the SEC tournament and be like a two or three seed we could play against. They're a four. Charleston is, they're good. They're, They're good. They get to the free throw line. I really like that. But they're not 
great. I mean, they kind of have a, a three-man tandem that can score the ball, which is good. I, I watched the championship game. I thought they were really, really impressive. I mean, they were down. They got stops down the stretch. They kind of kept feeding their best player. So, yeah, I, I, I think they, they have an opportunity. Do I think it's going to happen? Eh, you know, it's less than 50%, but th- that's the sub-regional. If you want two darts, if you're looking for the 12 versus 13 seed in the bracket, That's where I'd pick it because New Mexico State can beat Clemson too. I mean, Auburn and Clemson have a lot in common. They both have injuries. They both are a little bit suspect. They're both playing pretty good teams. I mean, the New Mexico State story is unbelievable. You got to tell this one. This one's good. Well, their coach is Chris Jans. After last year, their coach was Paul Weir, and the year before that, it was Marvin Menzies. Marvin built that program at New Mexico State. He did a terrific job. Now he's at UNLV. So then they took uh, Weir from New Mexico. uh, He was the assistant. He took the job. He had a great year. Then he got the job at New Mexico. So now it's Jans. Jans was the assistant for Greg at Wichita State. Got the job at Bowling Green, did a really good job, got in an incident at a bar, got fired, then went back to Wichita State kind of as an an extra, not assistant, but kind of advisor or whatever you right. call those big schools. Kind of a landing spot to yeah, find totally. a job. Right, and, and then got the job at New Mexico State. And if you don't like the things they do well, then what is it you're looking for? Great field goal percentage defense, great rebounding, they get to the offensive glass. They don't give up a lot of points. I mean, they they can win. Now, do they play in a lousy conference? Yeah, they play in a lousy conference, but they got a star in Zach Lofton. They, they're pretty good. Pretty good indeed. All right, so that's our uh, trip. Well, any final thoughts on the Midwest? Did we, did we leave anything out? I think we covered everything. There. I mean, I, I think it's those three teams in the end. I think it's Duke, Michigan State, and Kansas. But could there be upsets in there? Yeah. Yeah, most certainly. I mean— TCU is not great. Auburn is not great. Clemson is not great. I think any of those teams losing in the first round is totally on the table. And we've seen Michigan State and Duke lose first round games too. Bucknell isn't horrible. Not impossible. All right, Bearded Carcast. Send us an email at beardedcarcastoutlook.com. Follow us on Twitter at Bearded Carcast. Back on the Bearded Carcast with Dave Friedman. I am Mike Pacheco. Glad you're joining us. At Bearded Carcast is how you follow along on Twitter. Use the hashtag Bearded Carcast and email us at Bearded Car- or Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. We do read them and we do talk about them, so know that when you send it in. And if you send something funny uh, or interesting, we'll definitely use it. And please send along any suggestions, uh, not, not just sports-related, but Anything that involves uh, good food, we like to talk about good food, and we like to go to good uh, food places on the road. We had a great time this year, so we encourage you, if you are just landing on the Bearded Carcast for the first time, go back and check out the preview. Well, yeah, where have you been, first of all? But second of all, uh, we've had a lot of fun this year traveling and covering Winthrop basketball, and uh, so now we're in the kind of our off-season, if you will, on the basketball standpoint. So instead of being in a car, which is what we normally do, and record our conversation going to a road game, we're actually sitting in my kitchen, which is 
Nice and convenient. I thought it was the studio. It, I'm sorry. Yeah. So we were broadcasting live in front of a live studio audience today. My son doesn't have school today. The water. And the two dogs. And the two dogs. Yeah. They're um, well. They're sleeping right now. Have they decided who they're picking yet? They have not. And I know we're going to close out the show with this, but apparently uh, your dog Bella has a bracket. Is that true? Well, I, I thought it was appropriate as I started thinking about the yeah. tournament on about you know Wednesday or Thursday. I printed an empty bracket for yeah. her and put it in her bed. And then as soon as the brackets came out yesterday, it was actually my wife immediately printed the brackets, like within seconds of them coming out. So we printed three, one for her and one for me, and then one for Bella. And she's she's thinking about it. You know, I, I thought maybe UMBC could be a, a trendy a upset retriever. pick yeah. or a, a retriever. So, you know, we'll see what she comes up with. She She's Sleeps very frequently yeah. with a duck. Oh, so disappointed okay. that Oregon, oh, right. Oregon didn't, make, didn't it. make it. Yeah, and um, you know, come for uh, come for Dave and I, but stay for the end of the show when we hear Bella's picks. And I think John's <laughs> going to give us a few of his picks at the end of the show as well. My eleven uh, year old. So we'll we'll uh, do that. So let's kind of dive into the East here. Um, Villanova playing on Thursday in Pittsburgh. The Big East champions. They look awfully tough, Dave. They had the number two RPI going into action on Sunday, and they'll take on the winner of LIU Brooklyn and Radford, which is interesting because LIU Brooklyn, coached by Derek Kellogg, the former UMass coach, and you and I are very familiar with Radford because we cover the Big South, and they were the Big South regular season champions. I think there's a huge misconception about the East bracket. Last night on TBS, where they had the show, eventually they got to someone that knows something about college basketball, which was Grant Hill and Bill Raftery and Jim Nance after they had the the NBA guys talk about a sport they've watched for 10 minutes this year. And I, I, I love Raft, and I love Grant, and I like Jim a great deal. I'm hoping to see him in Charlotte this week. I, I just think they're wrong. They, they rated the East bracket as the easiest one. I think Purdue has a really, really easy draw. There's nothing easy about what Villanova's got. I think they have to face potentially the best of the eight seats in Virginia Tech. And then who wants a rock fight with Bob Huggins or Greg Marshall? Right. No. I mean, that's the game I both want and desperately don't want to watch. Those are like two of my two five favorite coaches, favorite coaches yeah. in the country. And Villanova has, there's nothing easy about this. I fill out a bracket in kind of an unorthodox way. I advance teams to the point where I think they are going to get for sure. So you almost backfill it. Stop. So, like, I have Virginia in the Elite Eight, and then nothing past that point. I have Gonzaga in the Sweet 16, nothing past that point. In the sub regional where Villanova is the one, I have the words written open and tough. Like, do I think Villanova is going to beat a playing game team? Yes. Do I think Virginia Tech's going to beat Alabama? Yes. Do I think West Virginia and Wichita State will win? Yes. Do I have any idea what's going to happen after that point? No. no. I, I think I think they have the most difficult road of a one seed getting out of the first weekend. And oh, by the way, the narrative on Jay Wright kind of changed, right? After they won the national championship. Yeah. This is a guy that frequently doesn't get out of the opening weekend. Uh, I'm not saying Villanova is not really good. That game they played at Xavier a few weeks ago, that's as good a game as any team has played the entire season. When they crank it up and they knock down threes, they're almost impossible to beat. They can win the national championship, but they're going to have to play that game a bunch of times. And they've got veterans, and they have depth, and they score the ball. They're really, really, really good. 
I just don't like their path. Meanwhile, Purdue, who everyone has forgotten about for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Like the Big Ten played the tournament a week early at Madison Square Garden. And initially you like that idea. Still I love the idea. This is the buy in the NFL. People are concerned about a team not playing. Okay, what would you rather? A team like Providence, who extended all of their effort over the weekend and now has to turn around and refocus, or a team that's rested? I saw John Beeline on TV last night. John Beeline said, we practiced every other day last week. We felt like we got better. We felt like we maintained. And oh, by the way, John, your team is getting healthy yeah. and they're eating right and they're sleeping in their own beds and they're getting comfortable. Did did having time off hurt Gonzaga last year? Do you remember when they lost the national championship game? Were, were they complaining about having a week off in between games? I, I, I think that's a good thing. And Purdue is experienced and they have veterans they have bigs they have guards they're really 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 good offensively and i love their draw i i just i don't like texas tech and i don't like florida i i think purdue is a cakewalk to the elite eight and that's not to say that they can't lose of course they can lose but i like where they're situated i think purdue and kansas have the two easiest draws into the Elite Eight. And then, of course, you're going to face a really good team. But if you're three wins from the national championship, you're you're going to take that. Purdue's a team I liked before the bracket came out. And then when the bracket came out, I mean, it, it's the annual Duke Award for the easy <laughs> draw, right? Duke didn't get it this year. Purdue and Kansas got that easy draw. And I think Purdue will be in the Elite Eight. Yeah, Purdue's playing Friday at 1240 on True TV. Remember, this is the time of the year where people tune into True TV because they don't really probably watch True TV right. the rest of the year. Right, and they, they surely put all the games that they think are going to be really influential and important on True TV. What that tells me is those teams aren't very marketable. They don't come from huge markets, and Purdue's probably going to run Cal State Fullerton, who played in a bad Big West, out of the building. All right, staying on Friday, 1.30 on TNT, number four, Wichita State, number 13, Marshall. This was our crew last year, Carter Blackburn, Debbie Antonelli, uh, and then they have uh, John Schifrin. Uh, last well. year they were in Milwaukee, and this yeah. year they're in San Diego. I know. Huh. We, we missed out on that draw. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. But that's in- interesting contrasting styles, right? Because Wichita State, we know Greg Marshall, very, um, very methodical and very well-planned. And then Marshall – Dan D'Antoni's their head coach. He's the brother of Mike D'Antoni, Houston Rockets. I mean, a guy that just lives and dies and breathes three-pointers. How many teams in the tournament have two players that average over 20 points a game? I think they're the only one. Marshall gets up and down. They freaking fire it up there. They hit 10 threes a game. They pass beautifully. I actually watched a decent amount of a couple of their tournament games. Dan D'Antoni might have the worst dress I've ever seen. He was wearing a T-shirt with a right. sport coat over it. But at it. least his pants didn't split, and he was got a uh, Gatorade towel. Hey, <laughs> I'll, I'll take Ed Cooley's split pants over Dan D'Antoni's T-shirt on the sideline. Well, but, Huggy didn't exactly uh, resplend in uh, sartorial excellence either. I mean, Hug hasn't finished in his <laughs> hasn't fit in his clothes in about six years. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think Marshall's league was very good. Carter did those games. Um, there wasn't anyone at them. They, you know, it, it's a nice story. They've gone like three decades without being in the NCAA tournament. Wichita is now much more battle-tested than they've been in the past. Yeah. They pass the ball beautifully. They're better offensively than they've been in recent years. They continue to be 
incredible on the glass. Yeah. They aren't the defensive team they've been. Landry Shamit's a first-round pick. Shaq Morris is, I mean, he, he's a linebacker in the post. Uh, I think Wichita is quite a bit better than Marshall. 1987, Dave, last time Marshall went to the NCAA tournament. That was my senior year in high school. Yeah. Just to put the I'm still young, though. So Did just, they go on a memorable run? I don't remember. It wasn't memorable. Yeah. <laughs> I had a memorable run. My senior. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that might not be for the PG version <laughs> of the car cast. <laughs> it's definitely not. <laughs> All right, what else in the East before we uh, close it out? I, uh, I know Virginia Tech, a lot of people, uh, I think, that have them being obviously a win over Alabama. They'll, they'll probably challenge Villanova. Um, they but- can beat Villanova. This is a team, Virginia Tech, that gets up for big games. I mean, they beat Virginia this year, and they are a team in that Virginia game. They were up, and Virginia made that big run to begin the second half to get back in the game. And then Virginia Tech played them neutral the rest of the way, freaking beat them in overtime. Like, like they're not going to back down. They've got five guys that over average over 10 points a game. They shoot the ball really, really well. You know, if they don't get pummeled on the glass, they're going to be fine. And I don't think Alabama's the team that's going to beat them up on the glass. So then they're going to play Villanova. Not exactly a great rebounding team either. I'm not going to pick Virginia Tech to beat Villanova, but it is highly possible. Very, very, very much possible. West Virginia, Wichita State, Villanova, Virginia Tech, any of those teams could be in the Elite Eight. And therefore, I like Purdue to come out. I just think they have the easiest path. All right, we're halfway home on the Bearded CarCast blowout-the-budget coverage of the NCAA tournament brackets. And we'll have the South coming up next here. Bearded CarCast at Outlook.com. If you want to send us an email, at Bearded CarCast. Follow along on Twitter. This is our extended blowout-the-budget coverage of the Bearded CarCast. Normally, we're on the road going to a game, talking about it in the car, talking about life, talking about uh, sports, talking about drinks, talking about food, talking about just life in general. But today, we're in the kitchen. We're in the studio, the kitchen studio here. I am Mike Nobody's Pacheco. cooking. Nobody's cooking, though. Nobody's cooking. Well, I, I might have to run later. Uh, <laughs> Dave Friedman alongside. I am Mike Pacheco. Glad you're joining us here on the Bearded CarCast, episode 15, I believe of the bearded car cast. So in increments of five, this is a big one. So if you had the over, yeah. we've gotten a 15. <laughs> right. And we do Roman numerals. So it's episode XV. It's unclear how long we're going to do that. Yeah, I, I might get to 20 and then just start. Yeah. Uh, just. Uh, I think I stopped at six. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's go uh, in the South and that'll be, uh, we'll start with the number one seed there because we are based out of Charlotte. This will be uh, a Charlotte broadcast. Now it'll be a late game on Friday night with the, the Jim Nance crew at 9.20 on CBS. And again, it's going to be the Maryland-Baltimore uh, County Retrievers. Ryan Odom, interesting story, son of Dave Odom, the legendary Wake Forest coach, uh, was also at uh, Charlotte, was at Lenore Ryan. And they pulled a shocking yeah. upset as a double-digit underdog to win at Patrick Jim, where Vermont loses about once every oh, yeah. three years, yeah. and, and hit a game-winning three. What a what a phenomenal win for Ryan Odom and his program, program that has been sort of mediocre mostly over the last 20 or 30 years. Um, and that was a great high point for the season. 
unfortunately, they're not going to be able to score against Virginia because nobody scores against Virginia. If you watch Virginia play, and I've seen them play a whole bunch of times this year, when they're up by about seven or eight, the game's over. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's incredible. I was watching that ACC championship game. They were up like three, four, the whole game. They hit a three. They're up seven. I looked at Nicole, my wife. I said, the game's over. And North Carolina ain't coming back from a seven-point deficit. Virginia just doesn't give up points. And they don't lose to a lot of teams that are past the RPI 100. They just don't really lose. They don't lose at all. I mean, two losses, right? And, uh, you know, Virginia Tech, one of those losses. And that, that pack line defense, they, they buy into it. And it's, it's not a lot of superstars on that team. I know Kyle Guy is a guy who got a lot of attention in the ACC tournament, but uh, they have a couple guys that transferred. Uh, you know, th- this is a team that just, they just, it's a system team and they buy yeah. into the system. It's a sum of the parts, and he recruits guys to what he does, and they're so good. I mean, so good in every facet defensively. And then offensively, they use the shot clock to limit possessions, and they don't turn the ball over, and they just do all of those things. They're kind of perfectly built. I mean, they're the opposite of the one-and-done. They're the three- and four- and five-year guys that put in the time and the effort and buy into the system, and they are really, really good. Now, if you want to play devil's advocate, they play games that keep other teams in it their margin for error is not great because would it be surprising if umbc was down 42 36 with seven minutes to go no well then you knock down a couple of threes something crazy happens see you later so as much as i like tony bennett and i like him a great deal and as much as i like virginia and i think they have a very good chance to be in the final four Remember, his record against teams that are in the top three, four, five, six seeds in the tournaments below 500. I mean, they tend to win their first game against someone not very good, yeah. and then the the results haven't been great. I mean, he's one of a bunch of coaches. Uh, Sean Miller would be another one. We need to see it in the big dance. This is how good they are. They're number one, uh, most of all the season, they've been number one scoring defense. 308 scoring offense going into the game on Sunday. <laughs> right, and then rank number one in the country and yeah. kind of do everything well. But a huge portion of that scoring offense, Dad, is the pace in which sure, they play. Absolutely. The team they play against has to set up, has to work for shots, which is almost always what the other team doesn't want to do. And then they take the air out of the ball, and they are very patient waiting for their shot. So it's just a low-possession game. And no one, no one the entire season tempos Virginia. They always play yep. at their pace. Well, they did that against North Carolina in the championship game on Saturday night. All right, so the winner of the number one, number sixteen, Virginia, and we're gonna we're gonna pen in Virginia for that one. Uh, the eight nine uh, Creighton Blue Jays, the eight seed against the number nine Kansas State Wildcats. Greg McDermott's done a fantastic job at Creighton, and Bruce Weber's kind of come into his own a little bit here. Um, after what happened at Illinois, and you know, guy that went to the Final Four at Illinois, uh, but now he's got uh, Kansas State back in the NCAA tournament, and right now they're a nine seed. Yeah, how healthy is Dean Wade? That's a big. That's a big question. I mean, he's Kansas State's leading scorer. He's been a little bit nicked up. If he plays, this should be a really good game. If he doesn't play, I think Creighton is significantly better. I, I probably like Creighton better overall. Um, he fosters a, a terrific score. 
Creighton kind of plays the beautiful game. They pass and shoot, and those are fun things to watch. They're not particularly tough. They're not a great rebounding team. They're not a great defensive team. Um, should be a fun game for the folks in Charlotte. I mean, should be a, a competitive game. Neither of those teams are going to win the national championship, but that it's an 8-9 game. That That's what you're expecting out of those games. I don't think either of those teams are as good as Virginia Tech, who we talked about earlier. All right, and then underneath that, you have number 5 Kentucky in Boise playing on Thursday. It'll be a 7-10 game on CBS, taking on the 12th-ranked Davidson Wildcats. And I know, and you and I have talked about this, and I've actually had a similar conversation um, and people have said the same thing that you've said, and I completely agree with. And, you know, Bob McKillop is such a good coach. I mean, he could take your players and, and beat you with them. I mean, he's he's a really good coach. That's a good matchup, and that's maybe one of those five twelve matchups that some people might want to keep an eye on. Right. I think this is the big misconception in the bracket this year. People love Kentucky and Arizona. Can't wait for their second round showdown. It very well may happen. Those are teams are the opposite of Virginia. They have really really good players. They're not great teams. Kentucky did kind of come together down the stretch. They played much better, particularly defensively. But I think if Virginia is the sum of the parts is better, I think the sum of the parts on Kentucky and Arizona is not as good. And yes, I understand that DeAndre Aiden is the best player in the country. He's going to be number one. He looks like Shaquille O'Neal. I've watched him since the beginning of the year. When people were talking about Trey Young, I said DeAndre Aiden. When people were talking about Bagley, I said DeAndre Aiden. But one man doesn't make a team, and Arizona's guard play is so-so, and Sean Miller never seems to get to the Final Four, and this is not a vintage Kentucky team. I mean, they don't have the Anthony Davis on this year's team, so both of those teams are good, and both of those teams can beat Virginia, and both of them can go to the Final Four and win the national title, but I'm going to pass on both, and I like Virginia better than those teams. I just think they're better. How about Tennessee? I mean, a team that picked 13th right in the SEC uh they make it all the way to the championship game they lose to Kentucky they they earn the three seed Rick Barnes in his third season at Tennessee he's kind of won everywhere he's been and he's kind of revitalized that volunteer program they're going to take on number 14 Wright State they were winners of the Horizon tournament Tennessee's really good defensively and Rick Barnes is a really good coach I believe the SEC is not as good as people think it was. They got a zillion teams in the tournament. They were improved over the last few years. I don't think Tennessee is one of the 12 best teams in the country. I think they are top 25, not top 12. I mean, they're they're good. They're solid. But I don't love them. And they got blown out in the SEC championship game, or it certainly looked like it was going to be a blowout. I don't think either team played particularly well. Um, they're fine. Uh, Wright State, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, they don't allow many points. They force a lot of turnovers, defensively strong. Yeah, I mean, can Wright State win? Sure. Is it overly likely? No, but I, I don't like Tennessee. I really like Miami. I mean, I, I, maybe I'm in the bag for the ACC, but I mean Miami was a top four seed in the ACC tournament, the conference that I think is the best in the country. They have a million guys. If Walker's not good, Brown will be good, or Lawrence will be good, or Newton will be good. They have so much depth. They don't turn the ball over. They defend the three-point line. Larinega, we know what he's done. Yes, they have a little bit of the NCAA investigation stuff, I, I think they are more battle-tested. I think they are more talented. I think if they face Tennessee, they will beat them. Loyola Chicago 
besides having one of the best nicknames in the tournament, the Ramblers, they also have a little bit of history on their side. Now, this is their first NCAA tournament since 1985. Not recent history. Not recent history. But uh, they were the 1963 national champions. Yes. Now, that, that's not going to help them much this year. Hey, but unlike Louisville, they're still hanging that they, banner in the rafters. They are still hanging that banner in the rafters. Uh, and then um, you have number seven, Nevada, against the 10 seed Texas Longhorns. Of course, Shaka Smart in his third season at, with the Longhorns. And then a team that's playing really well, very hot down the stretch, Cincinnati, the two seed. They'll have number 15, Georgia State, the Panthers, who won the Sun Belt. I love Cincinnati. They are so tough. They defend, and they rebound, and they block shots, and they swarm around. And, yeah, they're not great offensively, but they're balanced. They've got a lot of guys. I, I like them a lot. If they play Virginia in the Elite Eight, the ratings will be terrible. Everyone will complain. The first team to score 40 will win. It'll be a great basketball <laughs> game. I, I, I really like Cincinnati. I felt coming into the bracket – that that conference, the American, was underrated. I thought I was going to like Wichita, Cincinnati, and Houston. Yeah. And I don't like Wichita's draw at all. And I don't love Houston's draw. But I like Cincinnati's draw. And I think Texas is pretty good. Um, Mo Bamba's been out for a few games and hasn't been healthy for a while. If Bamba is healthy, they're really good defensively. And they, they block a lot of shots at the rim. I mean, maybe not an unbelievable Texas team, but a very capable Texas team. Remember, Nevada, I, I thought they were going to be one of the best mid-majors in the country. Maybe they still were, but their point guard got injured. So I, I think their numbers, I mean, the analytics think that they're better than Texas, but uh, I don't think that's factoring in a major injury. I like Cincinnati. I, I, I think Cincinnati's very good. If Cincinnati went to the Final Four, I don't think that would be surprising. All right, well, we're going to talk about Houston's path because that's going to coincide with what Xavier does and what number two North Carolina will do. They're playing here in Charlotte. That's next here on the Bearded Carcast. You can get involved, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Use the hashtag beardedcarcast. And if you ask nicely, maybe Sam can make something for lunch because we're hanging out in the kitchen today <laughs> on a Monday getting ready for the NCAA tournament. Back on the Bearded CarCast, Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman. Glad you are joining us. Favorite time of the year for us, Selection Sunday was yesterday. Today we're talking about the brackets. First games will be Tuesday for the play-in game. There'll be two on Tuesday, two on Wednesday. Is the current administration changing Thursday and Friday to national holidays? Because <laughs> I will support any candidate that does that. I, don't, I, I think that's above politics. I don't think that... Uh, yeah, I don't think that worker production affected. suggests it's already a national holiday. Oh, uh, this whole week is a national holiday because you know the first couple of days people are filling out the brackets and then exactly. Uh, well, I thought it was interesting. North Carolina, we talked about this, um, you and I, uh, when we got things uh, started. North Carolina will play on Friday, and that's going to be I think around a two forty-five start. That's that approximation because the first game will be Texas A&M and Providence. Um, but I think what's interesting about that is, at least in the state of North Carolina, there will be no work done after about two thirty, right? Which is always, which is always. I fun. still think it's very strange that North Carolina is playing in Charlotte and not Duke. I mean, I know they were seated five and six overall. I I thought Duke's 
balance of the year and the advanced analytics suggest that I'm right. I, I thought Duke would be seated ahead of North Carolina. Duke would play here. Instead, they have to go to Pittsburgh. And it's kind of crazy because essentially the, the game that they played in the, the, the semifinals yep. was for the right to play in Charlotte. I mean, that's how it looks at this point. I don't think it was that close. So Xavier is the number one seed. They'll take on the winner of NC Central and Texas Southern, uh, the MEAC champs and the SWAC champs. And I think it bears just a little bit of discussion because I think Lavelle Moton's a very good coach, um, back-to-back, right, NCAA champions. This year they didn't have as, as good a team. They were 19 and 15 in the MEAC. And then Texas Southern with Mike Davis. Remember, Mike Davis used to be the head coach at Indiana, took over for, for Bob Knight. And, yeah, and, and he's in a creative scheduling. They have no money at Texas Southern, so he essentially stopped trying to play home games. All of his non-conference schedule is guaranteed games, and with all of that money, they then fly without stopping three times. They stay at nice hotels, and they travel like a major conference program, but they started 0-13 because they played, you know, 13 of the 50 best teams in the country. So it's it's kind of a, a different model. But one one that works for them um, because uh, they, they finished third in the regular season, but they won the SWAC and now they're uh, they're going in. And that whole league kind of does the same thing. Alabama State kind of we went to play them yep. this year and they kind of did something similar. So it's an interesting strategy. Except for the for winning part. Except for the winning part, right? Xavier uh, will take on the winner of that game, and you know Xavier, a team that did not win the Big East, um, but interestingly enough. Uh, they, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty, they lost to Providence in an overtime game in the semis, but they're, they're, they're going to be a tough up. But maybe of the number ones, you, I get the sense you don't really feel like they're the strongest of the number ones. Is that fair? Um, no. I mean, I think Xavier and Villanova are on very similar footing. I think Virginia is better than them. I, I don't know that they're dramatically worse than Kansas. I, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, Xavier's really good. They score the ball. They're excellent rebounding. They have, like, Their entire roster averages at least seven points a game. They have like eight guys that average seven points a game, so they're balanced. I think they're really, really good, and and they're going to be a very tough out in this tournament. I think North Carolina and Gonzaga and maybe Houston and maybe Michigan can all play with them, but is Xavier the favorite to come out of this bracket? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, they're, they're very good. They have some... Kind of interesting matchups. We talked about Michael Porter. You want to face that dude in yeah. the second round? He's going to be a top five pick in the draft. So not really. But I said the same thing before the SEC tournament. I said, geez, does Kentucky want to face Michael Porter? Well, then Missouri lost and Kentucky never had to face him <laughs> and they cut down the net. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Michael Porter's college career is going to be essentially a not applicable and he's going to go to the right. NBA. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's at least a scary thought there. Yeah, Missouri, uh, the eight seed taking on the nine seed, Florida State. So it's ACC and SEC, or SEC and ACC, if you want to do it in that order. Um, Florida State, a team that finished nine hundred to five hundred team in the in the ACC. They were twenty and eleven overall. So they obviously got there. Are years wins. I like Florida State. Yeah, there are years I don't like Florida State. Leonard Hamilton never wins in the tournament. Move on. Just <laughs> just pick against them. They never win. We've seen that in other conferences, too. Uh, number five, Ohio State, the Buckeyes. They'll play Thursday in Boise. That'll be about a 4 o'clock game on TNT. And taking on the, tw- the 12 seed, South Dakota State Jackrabbits out of the summit. Yeah. Ohio State is an interesting team. They're not ridiculously talented, but they're incredibly well-coached. And when you look for an upset in the NCAA tournament, 
generally, you want to face a team that's not going to be prepared. Well, they are going to be prepared. So, I don't know. South Dakota State's been to the tournament three straight years. Mike Dom is a superstar. Chris Holtman's not going to let Mike Dom beat him. It's possible South Dakota State is just better than Ohio State. Ohio State played in a lousy Big Ten. But Ohio State's well-coached, and they shoot the ball really well. They rebound the ball really well. Uh, I mean, is it a possible upset? Of course, it's a 12-5. It's a possible upset. Do I like Davidson over Kentucky more? Yes. Sounds good. All right, so number four, Gonzaga, against number 13, UNC Greensboro. The Spartans won the Southern Conference. Wes Miller in his seventh season, back-to-back. Regular season champs for the Spartans and Gonzaga team out of the West Coast Conference, seventeen and one in conference play. Only loss was to St. Mary's and four losses on the year. Twentieth straight NCAA appearance for Gonzaga. I think they're the least appreciated and recognized team in the bracket. What is it that they don't do well? They shoot the ball, they rebound the ball, they defend pretty well, not great. They have incredible depth. The analytics say they're one of the 10 best teams in the country. I love Rui Hashimura. He is phenomenal. He might be the fourth best player on the team. Yeah. They look final four national title good to me. I think if they play Xavier, it will be a war in the Sweet 16. I'm very high on Gonzaga. They got over that barrier of getting to the final four last year. I think they're loaded. I don't think there are many weaknesses. Good second-round matchups potentially between uh, Houston and Michigan. Houston as a six-seed, has the 11-seed San Diego State Aztecs, the winners of the Mountain West, and then the number three Michigan Wolverines still contend with the number 14 Montana Grizzlies. They won the Big Sky. Yep. Um, I think those two teams, the two you mentioned to start, Houston and Michigan are both very good. I'm huge fans of both teams and both programs. John Beeline is maybe the best offensive coach in the country. Guess what? They're really, really good defensively this year. They, they, they run that system, and I love that system. And they've been off, and I think that helps them. Houston kind of under the radar, snuck up late on the year on a lot of people. If you were paying attention, they shouldn't have. They're really good defensively. They're really good rebounding. They're very tough. You cannot like Kelvin Sampson, but you cannot not respect Kelvin Sampson. And Rob Gray has a way of hitting big shots. Guy likes the ball in his hands. If he was a little more eccentric, he'd be like that guy everyone hated at Ole Miss a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. He is, he's tough, man. I, Houston's good. Th- those two teams are both really good. I'm not high on San Diego State. They did play very well at the end of the year. I thought the Mountain West was bad this year. Montana, they were impressive in the conference title game. It's the only time I've seen them play this year. I love that they force so many turnovers. They get to the free throw line. They kind of have a two-headed monster. They, they're, they're not impossible either. All right, the first game on Friday... Uh, for Jim Nance and company with Bill Raftery, Grant Hill, and Tracy Wolfson at 12-15 will be number 7 Texas A&M against the number 10 seed Providence Friars. Billy Kennedy in his 7th season for Texas A&M. And Ed Cooley in his 7th season 
at uh, at Providence, and for the Friars, this is their fifth straight NCAA appearance. That's the best in school history. They've never done five in a row. And you think about the coaches that came out of Providence. Although, of course, Patino wasn't there more than three years, but uh, you know, with Barnes and Patino, and you know, they've had a great heritage there at Providence and Texas A&M. Out of maybe a little bit of a weaker SEC this year. I don't like either team. Providence was unbelievable in the Big East tournament. They were so good. And now they have to turn around Do it again. and play again. And I just think they kind of, I think they've played their best game. I, I, I loved watching them play. And I'll remember Ed Cooley's pants forever. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't love them. Yeah. Texas A&M. I thought that. Yeah, I, I just, I'm just not that impressed. They're okay. They're balanced. They rebound. They're strong defensively. I think there are better teams that do those exact same things. So they're okay. They're, they're, they're kind of a placeholder. They're seated correctly, yeah. and they're an all-right team, and maybe they'll beat Providence. And either team can give North Carolina a game. But they're going to be 10,000 Tar Heel fans yeah, in Charlotte. It's going to be a home game. And I—, I I don't think those teams are as good. Are you holding on to your tickets, or are you, uh, you going to engage in some commerce? I don't know. Are you going to come on Friday? I'll go on Friday. Yeah, then we'll go. Okay, sounds good. All right, and so North Carolina, I think it goes without saying that uh, their first-round match, we should probably just talk about their second-round match. That's, that's no disrespect to Lipscomb, but maybe it is a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Lipscomb had a really good year, and they score a lot of points, and they get to the free-throw line, and they force turnovers, which is a really good combination. They've got... Two really good scorers. Matthews is over 22 points a game, but they're playing North Carolina. All right, we have uh, one more to go here on the Bearded Carcast. We're going to put a wrap on things. We're going to hear uh, who Dave's dogs or dog is going to pick, Bella's pick, and uh, we're going to bring in my son, John. He doesn't have school today, so i got to put him to work. So we're going to let him uh, give us a few of his uh, bracket thoughts. That's next year on the Bearded Carcast. Now the moment everybody has been waiting for, the final segment here on the Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman. We have John Pacheco here as well, making his Bearded Carcast debut. Although, Dave, he's been No practic- beard. No beard for either one of the Pachecos. But fortunately, Dave's uh, holding up, holding us up with the beard. He's, he's got, he's well, got my, our back. My, my razor is still in Asheville. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for it oh, to come right. back that's from right. the Big South that's Conference right. you tournament. Your, you left your stuff there. <laughs> but John has practiced um, being on the Bearded Carcast, filling in for me. So, John, who's going to win the national title? Uh, Virginia. Virginia. Why? Because they have a good defense, and all the other teams are not that are okay. All the other teams in their bracket or in the entire tournament? In the entire tournament except Kansas and maybe Villanova. Wow. So you don't like Duke? I do, but I I don't think they're going to – I think they're going to lose to Kansas because Kansas is uh, a better team. A better team in what way? They have three-point shooters, and 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 Grayson Allen's gonna get himself in trouble. He's gonna probably accidentally trip somebody again. And he's accidentally trip. <laughs> and, and he's probably gonna and he's probably gonna get teed up again. Who so. who do you have as some upsets? Who should who should people out there be be looking at that maybe they wouldn't otherwise consider? I have UCLA beating Florida. I like that. I agree. I don't think Florida is very good, and I think UCLA is pretty good. I actually like St. Bonaventure to beat UCLA. I think either of those teams can beat Florida. That's a good one. Who else? 
Well, I did have Rhode Island beat Oklahoma beating Rhode Island, but Trey Young just isn't that good as but he's not that good. I think he's really Well, he's good. really good, he's but just, he's struggling right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you meant. Maybe the February is not his month, but maybe the odd months are his months. Fair enough. Who else? I think I have North Carolina going to the final four and and getting demolished by Virginia. Getting demolished. demolished. Virginia doesn't demolish anybody. Close games. Close well, games. Well, they demolish But you think their defense will be a little bit too much for North Carolina? Yeah, when I mean demolish, I mean they'll beat them by 10. <laughs> what about a 14 or a 15 seed? Do you like Bucknell, Stephen F. Austin, or anybody no. like that? Anything crazy? No. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. No. Okay. What about a, a team to be in the Elite Eight that we wouldn't expect? Someone seated four or five or six or seven, something like that. You got anyone advancing to to that stage? For my Elite Eight teams, I have Villanova, Purdue, Kansas, Duke, Virginia, Cincy, um, Xavier, and North Carolina. Okay. Okay. I mean, the best teams are generally there, so that that's that's not ridiculous. Do you have a team that you're particularly interested in watching or following? You think might uh, I, I, make I a ca- run? I like Rhode Island. I I, I know um, they're a team that kind of interests me. Providence. You kind of talked me out of Providence. I was really bullish on Providence before, uh, and, and you, I guess you're seeing a theme here. The New England teams are are uh, are kind of. Kind of interesting to me. I think Charleston has a chance to upset um, Auburn. If you had to pick a five seed or worse to be in the Elite Eight, who would you pick? I'd pick um, Kentucky. Uh, they're they're a good team. Okay. But yeah. you're looking at the other end of that, aren't you? Or are you are you asking like a team no, below no, five or are you like no a, f- a five or worse? Well, that, I think that, Kentucky's that. reasonable. I think that's very reasonable. I think Kentucky's way overrated. Mm-hmm. I think Miami's as good as Kentucky, and they play a weaker opponent in Cincinnati than Kentucky plays in Virginia. Yeah, I'm not really sold on Ohio State. Um, you know, Clemson, if they were full strength, maybe. I think Houston's possible. Houston's a possible. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think Houston's definitely possible. How How, who does Bella have? Yeah, I told you, Bella's studying it. She spends about 18 <laughs> hours a day sleeping, so I'm not yeah. sure when she's going to have now, the energy to think about this. What's Bella's uh, methodology? Does well, I, this me- is her first year in our home, so I, I don't know yet. In, in future years, I'll have history to, to answer that question, but at this juncture, I don't know. Is that Bella calling? Is she calling in her picks? <laughs> Wait a minute. No, the, the 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 good phone call we had today was the one that John got saying he didn't have school this morning. <laughs> All right. That was a good phone call. All right, so I know. Um, final thought, John. My final thought is that I I, I don't know how Ohio State got a number five seed. They are overrated. They are they're as overrated as Kentucky. A little bit more overrated than Kentucky. How did they get a five seed? I mean. They got crushed by Penn State, and Penn State's like, like the worst team I could ever. Well, Not who, the worst team. Well, but. who should have been a five? The sixes oh. are Florida, Texas Christian, Houston, and Miami. Which of those teams should have been seated higher than Kentucky? Um, maybe, maybe Houston if they beat Cincinnati. Maybe Houston, but it's kind of maybe a, Wichita State if they won. Yeah. But those are butts and ifs. Those are ands and butts, yeah. Wait, what's which dusty? They're uh, four, eight, five. Four, eight, five. Five. All right. 
Um, All right, I think that's uh, Houston's advanced metrics actually are better than Ohio State. Yeah. So John doesn't have access to those. Oh, he has access to the internet, so essentially he does. <laughs> All right, you had a couple of upsets uh, that you thought would be uh, people. I, I just think teams, you know, you always get asked that question: What deep upsets do you like? Stephen F. Austin, maybe. I just I'm not that high on Texas Tech. The winner of St. Bonaventure and UCLA, I certainly think, can win a game. Um, I, I do like Houston. But if you take one thing from this podcast, I like Purdue. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think really no good. one's really talking about them. I think they have a very easy road to the Elite Eight. I think anything can happen at the top of that bracket. I, I, I think Purdue has a very good chance of being in the Final Four. I, are you picking a national champion? You, Who are you picking? I, I pick Virginia. And to what you said— I, Purdue, I have crushing everybody, but I think except Virginia, except which is fair. Yeah, no, they're playing Villanova, so I think that that if, if they play Villanova, it's going to be a war. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be maybe ninety points, maybe. Do you have someone you like? I like Villanova. <laughs> you do. I like Villanova. I think I'm I'm probably going to employ with Villanova your method. I'll probably put them all the way through and then kind of backfill. Um, that's out yep. of the bracket from yep. there. Uh, uh, I, I think, think Virginia is interesting. I think um, y- you know they played well offensively in the in the championship game, and I know sometimes you shouldn't take too much from from championship games, uh, conference tournament championship games. But if they can put together uh, a good rhythm on offense, we know they're going to lock down defensively. I think I think Virginia is going to be. It wouldn't surprise me if it was Virginia and Villanova, the two Vs. Yeah, well, I like the two ACC teams, Virginia and Duke, and in the other two brackets, I like not not off the board, but I like Purdue and Gonzaga. Those, those would be the four I like. Um. All right, well, that'll do it here for the Bearded Carcast. You can always go back and check out episodes one through fourteen. We encourage you to do that. We also encourage you to email the show beardedcarcast at outlook dot com. Follow along on Twitter at beardedcarcast. And use the hashtag Bearded Carcast. And uh, it was fun to have John on the inaugural. The inaugural. How do you think he did? I think I did good. And I have one last question. Who okay. do you think is going to win? LIU Brooklyn or Radford? I Radford winning that. I think that's fair. I think Radford's probably going to win that game. I'll, uh, I'll take Radford to win and LIU Brooklyn with the points. <laughs> All right. So for Dave Friedman, John Pacheco, I'm Mike Pacheco. Thanks for listening to the Bearded Carcast. Until next time. <laughs>